You are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have not, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid, they are not perfect. We believe that the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1:17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed nuts. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You are listening today to episode number 107. And we are so happy to have Cheryl Bates back on Afraid Not. That's right. So, Jill, tell us about what episode she was on before. Cheryl, if you don't know, was on episode 25 back when we were in our first year of this, probably. So, but you need to go back and listen to that story because in that story, she talks about a different one of her children than she does today. And Cheryl is our friend in real life. We have been so blessed to be friends with her since moving to Owasso. Uh, Jill actually has known her longer than I have because you've lived here longer than I have lived here. Right? Well, and we got to go to New York City on a mission trip and make fun of people in the airport. Not really make fun of. We were just like saying what they were saying as they were walking by. We were just pretending like what they were saying. That sounds like it would have been hilarious. And the youth were all staring at us like, who are these crazy people that are supposed to be taking care of? Are these the sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, if you don't know Cheryl in real life, you just don't know how what a joyful person who loves to laugh and bring laughter wherever she goes. And today she's sharing a really special story with us that, to be truthful, it's not over yet. So we're just saying this is a to-be-continued This is here we are in the middle of a chapter, and God is still writing the story. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those times where you're like, please, Lord, just tie the bow. When? When? And you know, Cheryl's story might be just for you to recognize that sometimes in the walking of the journey, there are so many truthful things that God shows your heart, and you would never want to imagine not having learned you you don't want the trial but you just can never imagine unlearning all those beautiful things that God shows you in the midst of the trial and that's what I'm seeing in Cheryl so listen in to this story hi Cheryl thanks for joining us today Hi, Jill and Robin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, friend. We're so glad. We're like real-life friends. Yes. It's always a treat to see Cheryl when we get to bump into each other at church or around town, and we're just happy that you're back. Thanks for coming again. You are our episode 25, and listeners, if you have not heard Cheryl Bates on episode 25, you might want to go back and listen to the story she shared that day, and um, we're so happy that she agreed to come again, because you know what? Have you noticed that once you are living life that it doesn't just have a nice, pretty little bow on top and nothing else happens? (laughs) Preach. (laughs) Who knew? I would have more afraid moments. Really? Uh, Between when we booked you and today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you share with us real quickly what happened to you this week? 
Um, well, Monday my dishwasher caught on fire when people were not at home. Oh, but yeah. yes. Just like you planned, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, just like we planned. And so Patrick came home from working. He's a fire claims adjuster, ironically. Ironically. Yeah. ironically. So he was working a claim and came home and went, huh, I think there's been a fire in our house. Thankfully, it tripped the circuit breaker. And so it was able to put itself out because it was contained within pretty much the dishwasher encasing part of our countertop got a little, you know, fire damage, but it was underneath. And so you can't really tell, but it, it's mainly now stinking. So we're living in a hotel right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh, we're so glad your house did not burn down. Yes. And yes. way, and little dog. imagine yes, my, yes, my the human lives. Yes. I mean, irreplaceable. So. Irreplaceable. Yes, and the, the bummer that it happened still stinks, but we're so glad your dogs and your family were okay. Most definitely, yes. Yeah. Dishwasher, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> Getting a new brand, brand new dishwasher. Getting a new one. And, you know, since we're recording, and this is going to go nationwide, right? That's I mean, international. It's international. international. There you go. Like we'll Rob Bass, internationally known. There, there you go. go. Oh, 80s reference. <laughs> I am so impressed that you did that, Robin. That's the best. I'm one of the best. I'm going to rub the microphone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Please do it. Put it down for us. Okay. Okay. That's all the breaking down I'm going to do today. So, anyway. <laughs> I was just going to say, when we got our countertops and all of that, it's just a few months ago, I asked Patrick, I said, you know, we should get a new dishwasher because, you know, ours was old and aesthetically it wasn't, you know, matching my new theme. He's like, oh, it works fine. Why would we do that? Mm, who's getting the last laugh now? Oh, no. Oh, I get a new dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> and new countertops. Well, I got those already, so thankfully oh. the fire didn't damage it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is kind of a good lead-in because, you know what? You did not plan for the dishwasher to no. catch on fire. And at the end of our episode 25 interview, the things that you're about to share with us today had not yet happened. No. And now no one knew. And so here's what I'm just thinking today. No matter what is in our future... No matter what's going to happen to me tomorrow, whether my dishwasher catches on fire, <laughs> that I can learn to trust in the Lord and know that He's going to carry me through it like He's carried you and all these listeners listening in. And um, we're really grateful that you are here to talk about some pretty tough things that you did not know were going to be in the journey. And and yet God has been faithful and we're really Grateful that you came to tell us your story again. So last time when you were here, we talked about your daughter, Madison, mm -hmm. and some situations of a teenage girl growing up in your house. Mm -hmm. So if you are raising teenagers, that, that's a good episode to listen to. Um, and this one, we're dealing with your son. Yes. So where do you, where would you like to start? We well, let's let, tell us a little. Some people may not have heard that episode, so why don't okay. you tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself first? So I am married to Patrick. We've been married 27 years, and we moved here from Louisiana uh, seven, no, 18 years ago. And um, he does fire claims, and you know, gets to do ours now. And then I am a dental hygiene uh, college professor. My students asked for a shout out, so we'll count this as a shout out to them. So hey, new. students. <laughs> You've got the it. best dental hygiene instructor ever. <laughs> yes. 
And then Madison, obviously, we have Madison. She has since graduated Oklahoma Baptist University and moved to Texas. So she is an art teacher at a high school there in Texas and planning on getting married in May. Oh, so exciting. Great things in store. Yes, so Zach is her fiancé. Love him to death. And uh, let's see, then Nathan, so he's a senior at Tawaso High School, Mm -hmm. and he has plans to go to University of Arkansas and major in nursing, which fits with this story as far as a lot of medical problems. Well, I had not heard that he was going to do nursing. I think that's really cool. Did all of this kind of steer him towards that? He was all, he was interested in the healthcare field. He kind of thought about PTA because... We go every year to Tulsa Bone and Joint in Wasso. Love them. Another shout out for them. So every year he has some type of element that we have to go. And he was thinking that direction, but then he, this kind of, his health journey started in nursing. And in particular right now, he's wanting cardiac nurse, heart, which is where this journey, most of this journey happened. And so I think that did kind of lead towards that particular unit. But, you know, once he gets into school and sees all the different avenues, he might change his mind. Sure. Sure. But it is cool that God always uses the painful things that we go through. He uses those things in our lives. And even in an example like direction and a passion for some way to use our lives. I mean, that's really cool. So just jump in wherever you want to begin. And we are, we're all ears. Okay, well, we will start with uh, Nathan in ninth grade, and so that's when this kind of journey began, January of his ninth grade year, and we went to the pediatrician because his Apple Watch alerted him of, hey, you have a high heart rate, and he wasn't doing anything. He was just at rest on the couch, vegging, and it did that a few times, and I, um, being in the health care field, know how to take pulse. So I was like, mm, let me just make sure, because surely that's not right. Right. And so I counted his pulse. And I went, oh, wow, you're like really high. So was he feeling different? At that I mean, time, like- he really wasn't. It was just, hey, mom, my watch told me, hey, um, you need to take a break. Your heart rate's racing. And he was resting. Yes. He was on the couch with me. We were, I think, watching a movie or something. And so I didn't really think of it, anything of it that first time, but then it happened again, and then it happened um, at night. So I had him start wearing his watch all the time. Of, okay, once you sleep in it, let's just kind of see since it tracks your heart rate. And then he had several alerts at night while he was sleeping and then during the day. So I was like, okay, something's going on. Let me, let's go see what's going on. So we went in and, you know, it wasn't the, the best, it was just, It was probably anxiety. You know, everything's blamed on anxiety, and that is a true, true ailment that people deal with. But I just did not feel that that's what this was Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he hadn't exhibited any other signs of anxiety and just hasn't really been an anxious guy before that. How did he respond hearing it could be anxiety? Was he thinking, I don't really feel anxious? Like, I don't really get that one. That probably isn't me this time. I think so because, I mean, he was just like, no, I'm fine. I'm not, I don't think I'm worried about anything. And so I kept pushing, you know, we went home and I was just like, ah, this isn't sitting right with me. And then he was getting more alerts and I was like, okay, something, something is going on. So I called them back and I think I called several times. And then so finally she's like, okay, we'll just order a heart monitor and see what's going on. 
Well, then that's where we find, oh, she ordered blood work too. And then that's where we found out what are we dealing with. And so he had... So it's always good to listen to that mommy intuition. Oh, yeah. Even when doctors or teachers or whoever are telling you something, mommies have a little thing. That's right. I'm glad you didn't just say, okay, I'm going to not, I'll just shelve it. Me too. Thank goodness. So what was the result from that? So his blood values, um, one of the blood values was extremely low. It was, I think, 18. And normal range was between 32 and 356. So it was a um, ferritin level, which is your iron storage. And Mm -hmm. that's what gives you energy and in hindsight, we were like, oh, yeah, he has been really lethargic lately. And, you know, you just chalk that up to, oh, teenager. Yeah, He's tired. A lot. Yeah. Right. And so she had said with a, an active guy in particular, he should be in the 300s. Definitely not 18. Because he's so, also an athlete. Yes. Very active. Yes. Was he already, like, he was playing tennis? Playing tennis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was working out. So he would have been what they would have expected, as you said, 300s. And there he was at 18. At 18. Oh, my. With no explanation as to why. Why is that? And there were a few other values that were off, but that was the, the main one that got our attention. And so we started iron supplements at that time, and then she ordered our heart uh, monitor, and then those results came in. We were referred to a pediatric cardiologist. So we went to one in Tulsa, and they then had to, after more evaluation, refer us to pediatric cardiology in Oklahoma City because they found out that he has rhythm abnormalities. And so he had about five or so different rhythm abnormalities that were picked up on the 30-day heart monitor. And um, they was like, we really deal with structural damage Mm -hmm. at this office for pediatrics, and Oklahoma City deals with the electrical issues. And so we needed to transfer there. And in between that time, he had a sit out of tennis, which that was his first high school. He played it in junior high. That was his first high school. So he had to sit out, Mm -hmm. wait for these results just to make sure, is everything okay? I'm sure he hated sitting out. Hated it, yes, because he just wanted to, you know, be a normal boy yeah. and play. And so the cardiologist, um, one thing that just really stuck to me, which sounds a little a little blunt, and it was, but that's what I needed to hear, is that he, whenever he did his testing and all of that, he said, I do not see anything that would make an athlete drop dead. So we've Ooh. ruled out anything like oh, that. Oh, okay. And that's blunt, but that's what I needed. Right. I was like, great. So at least I know it's not a life or death situation. Mm -hmm. So that was reassuring. But then it was like, but what's going on? And why is he experiencing this? And why is his blood value so low? And so that's what we needed to get to the bottom of. And so they gave us three options of he can either be on medicine for the rest of his life to help control his heart rhythms. Or you do nothing because it's not life or death. It's it's an annoyance and it might get worse. And we'll just, you know, if he can live with the pain. Because he was having daily chest pains, palpitations mm. where he could feel his heart beating, racing heart. And so it was like, you know, it's going to get to a point where he's going to be like, enough of this. Or we can do surgery. And surgery should be able to fix it. So it's an ablation. And so we opted, okay, let's do that. Because I don't want to be on medicine forever. And that's when we referred to the city because they are the ones that would do that type of um, ablation surgery. 
So he was able to go back to tennis and play, at least in the meantime. And then I was thinking, okay, so we've got this diagnosis. So supraventricular tachycardia was his official diagnosis. At Will you that say time. that one more <laughs> yes. time? A little slower. Yes. Supraventricular tachycardia or SVT. I'll go with SVT. <laughs> yes. SVT. That's easier to say. Which just means your heart races. So it, it's beating a lot faster than what it should. And so his were close to 200 beats a minute. And, you know, you should be at 70 to 100-ish beats per minute. Mm-hmm. But his, it wouldn't last very long. His episodes would not last very long. So that was one thing in his favor. Because some people, the episodes last for minutes or hours. And his would would kind of go back to normal rhythm and then it would do something different and then go back to normal rhythm. And so that's what the heart monitor results showed us about all these different five or so different rhythms. And so one great thing about, you know, I say great thing in air quotes about having this diagnosis is his best friend had that exact same diagnosis and that same surgery. His best friend? What? Yes, his best friend. I Um, never knew this. Yes. Yes. So Charlie has that. And so that was about probably three years before this. And so we we're like, oh, well, okay, this is great. We know what the problem is. We know someone who's had it. He was successful. He is active. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to be fine. We just need to get this procedure done. And that is such we'll a good. kindness of God to already have a friend in his life that he knew that had been through it. Oh, yes. my goodness. What a comfort. It was. And his mom, my best friend, Christy, like she talked to me about these are the different procedures that will happen. Her son was able to talk to Nathan and prep him for that. So it was just a really great time that you wouldn't expect. Right. Okay, I'm facing this situation, but my best friend had it and he's great. So I'll be great too. Because normally going into heart surgery, that's that's a big deal and a big sounding, and especially for a kid. Yes. I mean, not knowing what to expect. So to have this person go, it'll be fine. And medical personnel may not feel that same. They do this every day, literally every day. They are doing these surgeries. So for them, it feels like, oh, just a routine. But for the person who's going through the surgery, that's not routine. No, especially your heart. Right. Now, I will say, because I'll be remiss if I didn't, the um, surgeons, cardiologists did say, well, this technically it's not a heart surgery it's an ablation I'm like um are you putting him out and you're playing with his heart it's a surgery in my book (laughs) (laughs) so I'm calling it surgery but they wouldn't they would call it an ablation (laughs) what happens in an ablation are they expanding so they um they go in through the groin and they travel up you with a camera and then um, with their device that will burn and so what they're looking for is for the heart to misfire and then wherever that misfire is happening, they'll burn it so that it won't misfire. It just won't work. But at least they're so they're trying to burn all of the misfires so then his heart would work properly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So, you know, I'm like, that's a surgery. A camera <laughs> inside your leg and then through your veins. All like, traveling okay. up you. Yes. Wow. And all through the heart. So they weren't going to have to cut him open or anything. At right. This point. Okay. No. So I think that's why they said it's not a surgery, but... <laughs> Sounds like a surgery to me, too. Yeah, me too. So what happened next? So I thought, okay, we're going to get the surgery. 
over spring break. I mean, let's just get it done and then back to normal. Well, this is in 2020, so then the shutdown happened with COVID. Oh, mm. wow. So let's throw COVID oh, on top of all okay. of this. Okay, and you were going to do it over spring break, and spring break's exactly that, when everything exactly hits. Exactly when it shut, shut down. down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're oh. just waiting. Uh, we know he needs this procedure slash surgery, but we cannot get it done. And so I'm still, you know, we were disappointed in that because we kept getting pushed off since it was not a life or death, since we have established that with the first cardiologist, if he's not going to drop dead, they were only doing those critical surgeries. Mm-hmm. And this was not considered critical. So we would think he, some, something would be scheduled and then no, we need to postpone again because as you remember, the world was just living day to day. Right. What's going to happen? What's going to be closed or open? And our healthcare system was under such stress. Yes. Every person connected with healthcare, healthcare, just such a hard time. Right. And then the schools also shut down. Mm-hmm. So then Nathan was at home, which mm-hmm. I was actually glad about because now finding out, because he was also just still very, very tired, was we're still trying to get the iron up and it hasn't moved yet or the ferritin storage up. And so he was extremely tired. I mean, going to naps three to four hours at a time could not wake him up just lethargic and so he would miss there were sometimes like he would uh, have something with a friend and then he slept completely through it and I was like you've got to tell them that you know you've got something medical going on you're not right. just blowing them off and so there was quite a few of those events missed church because he just slept right through it and I would try to wake him up and I wasn't scared as far as he's not waking up I knew it was like, something's wrong and he needs to rest. So I would just be like, Nathan, Nathan. And he would just kind of stir. I'm like, mm, I'm just going to let him sleep because he needs it. Yeah. So I was still kind of living in rainbows and butterfly world of uh, surgery will eventually happen and he'll be fine because his best friend was. So we're just waiting. So we finally found out that surgery was going to be June. So in June 29th was surgery. But because of COVID, only one person got to go with him to... The city, two hours away from oh, where we mm-hmm. live. And mm-hmm. you and Patrick both would have wanted to be there. Yes. And I bet Madison would have wanted to be oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She even had friends, my friend Christy, like we all had planned. Friends would have been in the yes. waiting room. It would have been all that love and support right there. Exactly. Yeah. So, so no discussion. Hard. I went. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mommy is going. Mama says I'm going. That's right. So June 28th, uh, 2020. We say goodbye to Patrick, so he opted to stay here because he could have gotten a hotel, but you could not even go anywhere. You couldn't even walk into the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we opted of he'll stay here with Madison. She was an adult, you know, in college, but he'll stay here and then it'll be fine because, you know, Charlie was fine. So it'll be fine. So June 28th came, we went to the city and I had planned just a fun day of we've got to get our minds off of this. Mm-hmm. So we did all kind of just crazy things and went toward a lot of stuff and I I splurged on the hotel so we got a better hotel that we could just walk to things and it had pool tables and cornhole and we just played and got our mind off of it rode scooters I'd never been on a scooter downtown you know, those little scooters yeah. oh my gosh that's about death right there <laughs> I did it for him lots of laughs happened fun times and then there was this little arcade where that claw machine where you would try to get mm-hmm. something and it was a play until you win I kid you not 20 minutes <laughs> and he is still trying to get <laughs> this, it, it ended up being a green pig 
<laughs> and so that is what he won. 20 minutes we were there. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it only cost a dollar because it was play until you win. So it was just a lot of good memories, fun times. We had friends that FaceTimed us, prayed over us, encouraged us. Some of those friends, their um, son had heart problems, very severe heart problems, life and death heart problems. So not what we were facing, but they understood. And then people from the church, I mean, Chris called us, your husband called us, our pastor, love him. And other pastors reached out and we were just like, okay, we've got this. It's going to be good. So then June 29th happens, the day of surgery. We have to be there, you know, six o'clock in the morning. And it was planned for a five-hour surgery. And with this particular surgery, because they go in through the main blood vessels in your leg that travel up, once you're finished with surgery, you have to lay flat for six hours. Oh, you can wow. move at all or you can bleed out. It's such oh, a long wow. because long it's major time. blood vessels. Yes. So you're looking at a good twelve ish hours mm-hmm. that you're laying there. So we were we knew that. We anticipated that. And so Nathan was getting prepped for surgery and they were about to wheel him back. And this is the first time that he voiced really anything negative because we were still, oh okay, his best friend did it. We're good. It's the same surgeon too, like everything. Yeah. And so he just looked up at me right before they wheeled him back, and he said, I can die. This is my heart. And I was just like, how do I keep it together? Because I need to be his support, and I don't have anyone else around me. I'm by myself, but I've got to keep it together for him. Um, It's going to be fine. You're going to do great. It's going to be fixed. So they wheel him back, and then I just lost it. Oh, I wish there could have been someone holding you. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So there was absolutely no one in the waiting room. I was the only person in there. And just alone with my thoughts. And with, this is what Nathan just said, Mm -hmm. when they will come back. And so I had posted a picture on Facebook of the cardiac sign of where he was going in. And um, one of my friends saw that and she worked there. And so Abby Friesen, you probably yes. know her. We've been uh, counselors together at, at um, church camps during the summer. So she saw the picture, recognized, wait, this is the hospital. So she came to find me. And I see this person walking towards me. I am, you know, a basket case. I see this person, but now because of COVID, everyone's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a scrub cap. So all I could see were the eyes. And I was just like, who is this person walking towards me? Because <laughs> I felt like she was like really coming at me. So I was like, well, I think she's wanting me. And so it was not until she was much closer and I realized, oh my goodness, it's someone I know. And I was just so distraught. I jumped up and I went to hug her. And remember, this is new COVID where you can't touch yeah. anybody. Yeah. And I was like, oh, are you hugging? And she was like, it's fine. So I just, you know, bear hugged her and just cried. And I was like, thank you so much for finding me. She said, yeah, I saw the post and I just wanted to come, you know, see you and encourage you. That meant the world. Just what a blessing. Absolutely. Yes. Such a gift from the Lord. Yes. 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 So, um, every hour on the hour, a nurse called me. So Oklahoma children's, well, actually he was at OU medical center. They are just phenomenal, everybody there. And so every hour, a nurse called me and gave me an update of, this is what's going on, he's doing great, all of that. And then about hour five, I get a phone call saying, the doctor's going to come talk to you. Nathan's still under. I was like, "Mm, why is he coming to talk to me? 
if Nathan is still, you know, usually they come and talk to you when it's done. Right. Right. And they're like, oh, well, he's in recovery. But this was not the phone call. So I was just like, what's, what's happening? But they said Nathan's fine. So I'm like, okay. And then that's when the doctor told me I couldn't do it. So his heart for five hours never misfired. And they tried everything to stimulate a misfire. And it would never misfire. And if you don't have a misfire, you don't know where to ablate. Right. So he went through that. And then he said, and not only could I not do it, I found some more things. And so he has an extra flap of tissue at one of his nodes that that conducts the electricity for the heart to beat. And so he has an extra piece of tissue there. Well, now I say he has more heart to love me with. (laughs) (laughs) Since he has that little extra piece of tissue. And so a decision had to be made of, he said, I can try to ablate it, but honestly, I don't think I'm going to get it. And where it is, it is extremely risky for me to do that anyway. And I don't think I'll be successful if I do get to it. And I will create scar tissue, so if he needs surgery again, it's going to be problematic. So he suggested we just wait and not do anything, which meant Nathan just went through this five hours of surgery, thinking everything was great for nothing to be cured and only more problems to be found. Mm -hmm. So that was hard to process. Right. So after I talked to Patrick, I called Christy that she's really the only one who understood everything since her son went through it all. And I was just bawling telling her all of this, of what is happening. Oh, and the doctor did say, we're going to try him on a medication. And it's a medication that they give chemo patients. So patients who've had cancer going through chemo because it helps their body absorb nutrients. And since he was having, there were some other, other nutrients were also low. There's a lot of blood value problems he was having. He was hoping that maybe that will help at least his body absorb the nutrients because that could be also affecting his heart and why it's not Mm -hmm. functioning. Mm -hmm. And he said 5% of the population will not misfire when they are under anesthesia because the body's so relaxed, it does what it's supposed to do. And so he's one of those 5%. Mm. And so he said the surgery would have to be done while he's awake. <gasps> what? What? And they do that for adults, but he said we do not do that for children because it is extremely painful. <gasps> so oh, we're just no. gonna have to wait, Cheryl. Yeah. So, so this day was so not what you wanted. Not no, because I thought he'd be fixed. Mm. No, and so then the nurse came out, so I had to pull myself together because I had to go see him in recovery, and so they said, okay, you can go back there. So here I go of, okay, I've got to have this conversation with him of, this is not what we expect, so I'm expecting he'll probably be groggy, maybe he'll be awake, because I mean, a lot of time has passed since that time, so I'm wheeling my little suitcase back there, and a nurse is laying on top of him, (laughs) spread out, laying on top of him screaming to be still, to be still, help, somebody help me. And I just freeze because that is not what I was expecting to see when I walked in there. No. And so I'm just, I'm frozen. And she looks at me and she goes, mom, help me. I'm like, oh, she's talking to me. I didn't know that. So I scurry over and she goes, I need you to talk to him. And she's laid out. And then I'm trying to lay out to hold his legs down because if he moves, he'll bleed out. They had three units of blood on standby. Because they were expecting, you know, that might happen. 
So I'm trying to talk to him because she was hoping he would he would subconsciously recognize my voice and kind of calm down. And he was still under. He right because he was right? trying to come out of anesthesia. Yes, oh, so he's yes. just involuntarily right. moving. Yes, and she's trying to physically restrain him down. And then wanting me to talk to him to see if he could recognize my voice. And so they want him to be moving. motionless. Completely still flat. You cannot raise your legs whatsoever. And he was raising his knees, you know, <sighs> when you're restless. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that's what I walked into. What did you do? Did you, like, spread your arms on his arms and say, be still, be still? I honestly don't even remember what I did. I, I remember I tried to hold his legs down as well, but I was mainly just focused on talking to him. Of, Everything's mm-hmm. great. I need you to be still, lay flat. And I don't know how much time passed. I mean, it felt like minutes. I'm sure it was seconds, but it just felt like an eternity of this going on and the panic in her voice. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And finally, he calmed down, and then he was starting to really come out of the anesthesia and being more coherent to where he could, you know, himself. Oh, okay, I'm not supposed to move, so I won't move. So that was a yes, Mm. an unexpected. Well, that's a traumatic event. Yes. That you're... Walking into right now, right at that moment. Yeah. That is serious trauma. Yeah. Yes, and it took a while for me to process that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was getting just bombarded with text and phone calls, which was great and wonderful because people were like, how did everything go? And I just had to shut off my phone because I could not mentally deal with what I just witnessed. And so those images still haunt me when I think about it. Of course. Of looking at that and experiencing that and seeing and hearing the stress, anxiety, and the nurse and, you know, just spread out over him with blood on standby. So, yeah. And you were in there and, oh, I know Patrick would have just given his right arm to be in there with you. I'm so sorry he couldn't. That's just so much harder. (laughs) Yeah. So we get to recovery. He's he's doing good. So they transfer us across the street to Oklahoma Children's Hospital to the cardiac unit there for us to stay overnight for observation and all. And so he's, you know, in and out, still waking up, going back to sleep, and he's having to lay flat for six hours now. And he he asked the question that I've been dreading. So how did how'd it go? So I have to have the talk with him of it was not successful, and they found some other problems, and just the disappointment on his face that I can still see today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of just reliving that moment, and then him trying to process, wait, what? No, this surgery works. Like, that's how it was supposed to happen, and so that was a hard night with just he and I in the hospital room trying to process, both of us just trying to process this, and then me trying to, you know, explain it to Patrick over the phone, but yet I can't say too much because Nathan's right there, and I don't want to say too much in front of him. Sure. Of course. Because you have to be strong for your children, so it was just a lot to take in at that moment. And so once I was able to get the word out, um, so much prayer and so much love were coming in from my friends who was able to just be the love and encouragement of Jesus that I needed at that time because I was at my lowest of lows at that moment, as was Nathan as well. 
and he had a hard recovery. He couldn't stand up straight for a week. His recovery, he did not bounce back like his best friend did either. And I don't know if it's because they were in there so much trying to stimulate his heart because they were doing a lot to try to stimulate the misfire. So I don't know why his recovery was harder, but it was just not what we had thought, not what we had planned for. So we get through that and we're on this new, he's on this new medication now and we're like, okay, let's just see what happens, see how that works. And um, people were loving on us. They came by, visited, bringing in food and all kind of just encouragement, love. So definitely God showed himself through our friends and I'm so blessed for that. And at this time, I'd asked Nathan to write down, you know, part of what he was feeling at this time. And so he says, these are his words, after heart surgery, I felt like no one understood what I was going through. I felt very alone and distant from God. I let sin and the devil take over my life. My walk with the Lord was just selfish. I didn't understand why it happened to me. At this moment, I felt let down. Because leading up to surgery, everyone told me they would pray for me. And I was mad at the doctors, at people, at everyone. So to me, in that moment, prayer was just something you say to encourage someone, but it was not something that could be answered. So that's how he was processing this experience. So over those next days and weeks and months, I mean, we just would pray and pray and people would and pour into us and encourage us and they were the hands and feet of Jesus to us because he needed that at that time and then we were finally able to go to church because of the shutdown not only did church shut down but I also kept him home even when church opened because we needed to keep him safe for the surgery and then after the surgery to yeah. recuperate from that and so it was four months so we had, since we had physically been in church and his cardiologist released him he actually was like no that you know, that's, that can do good. Go. It's like, thank you. And that was just the most wonderful time of just getting to worship with our church family and get around people because you'd been so isolated mm -hmm. and then trying to deal with just all of this that we weren't expecting at that time. And so we're just going on with that. And he has now a new heart monitor that he carries around with him. So that's, I think his fourth heart monitor over this journey. And he carries it around with him, and just if he feels an episode, then he is to record it. And then I'll send it in to the cardiologist. And his, his cardiologist is just amazing. He's two hours away, and we email. He calls me after hours, so we don't have to make the drive every time. And I would get these reports from this new heart monitor, and I can just email them to the cardiologist. And then he would read it and email back. So wonderful technology. I love that he does that. And uh, we were just to the point now of we're going to wait and see what happens. Now it's a waiting game. So that's what the cardiologist said. It's a waiting game. What's going to happen? And so he was still able to play tennis and all of that. So everything was great. He finally started in-person school in September. So all of that time, I was kind of glad to still have him home. I was right. still, um, I'm a college professor, so we were still doing distant learning. I only went in one day a week. And so I felt a lot better because I was five minutes so from September of 21? 2020. Of 2020. Okay. Yes. So, so yes, because the surgery was summer of 2020. And then, yes, September. And um, no, I'm sorry. He was not in person school yet. They were still virtual. And I liked that because I was at home with him and I could keep an eye on him. And then it was, you could 
decide if you yes. wanted to go back to in-person school in January or not. Right. I think that's right. So January of 2021. And Nathan decided not to go back. His reasons were different. My reasons were oh, because of COVID. I mean, it's still going on. And, sure. and by that time, there were reports coming out that it affects your heart. So I was like, okay, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with your heart. So let's not add that issue to it. And still trying to get his blood values up. And so he decided to stay home because people were getting quarantined. And um, he did not want to miss tennis because regionals and state were coming up in February, March. So that's why he wanted to stay home, which I was like, that's fine by me. So we were like, okay, we're living in this bubble. He's at home. He's safe. Going to school. And then... Um, he has a tennis match, and he said it was the best tennis match he'd ever had. He played the best he could. I missed that particular match, but the second match I was able to go to, and I was like, um, something's wrong. He had to forfeit that match. He stopped in the middle of the match, and he has never done that. And he said that his back was just hurting so much, and he was walking crazy. I'm just like, what is going on? And so he, he had to forfeit in the middle of the match and he stayed there just to cheer on his teammates. And like any good mom, you know, like you give, you know, biofreeze and Advil and call it good for a week. So that's what I did. A week later, he told me, if you do not make me a doctor's appointment, I'm going to call myself and make one. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, maybe this is something a little more serious. Mom of the year award for 2021 goes to me. It turns out that he had a fractured back. <gasps> oh, my goodness. So he had fractured it in that great tennis oh, game. Oh, wow. The way he served it. And he said, I heard a pop, but, you know, didn't think anything oh. of it. So, yes, he fractured his back out of tennis. Oh, Just my Just a crazy, goodness. crazy. That is. One more thing. One more thing. One more yeah. thing when it was already yes. a really, really because hard. Because we had all these calculated decisions that we're going to keep you home, we're going to keep you safe so that you don't have to sit out of tennis because he already set out ninth grade year for part of it because that's when all of this started. Mm -hmm. So all of that planning and calculated decisions came crashing Well, and out. his back, you're not thinking, oh, maybe this is a heart issue because it's a totally separate thing. Right. It's just another frank moment that we got to experience. <laughs> oh, I mean, this boy. story, I have more twists and turns <clears throat> than a roller coaster because we just keep going down different paths that it's all connected to health, but it's like, what on earth, what else can happen to this child? So we get the MRI. That's when we realize it. But the doctor, well, before the MRI, the doctor really felt like it was a strain and, and was really confident. And I think you're going to be back for regionals. I think if you'll just rest for a few weeks, I think we can get you back for regionals and then rest and then do state. And then you've got to take time off. We're like, okay. But then the MRI showed, no, it's fractured. So then the orthopedic had to tell him, I'm sorry, you're done. He's in a back brace for six weeks. <gasps> and he missed it again. Yes. So, so out of sense again. Out of all that. So that was another blow that he had to try to process. And we tried to process Such all a blow. that. So at, um, at that particular time, we're, we're getting to spring break again. So it's been about a, a year since we knew that some really some things were going on. Still getting blood work every several months. He's had more blood work than I can even count. On to another full-time heart monitor because there was just still some things going on with that. And so that's kind of whenever I kind of had my breaking point. Because up to that point, I was just like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then I was just like, 
one more thing, like what else? We're still dealing with blood value problems. We're still dealing with heart, so we're doing another heart monitor. And now we have a fractured back of all things. And so I, I was working from home that day, and I, I was just, I, I've got to take some time. So it's about 30 minutes, and I was just playing songs over and over again. And some of the ones that really spoke to me, one was Even When, and with that one, it, it talks about even when my eyes can't see it and my heart can't feel it, I will still repeat, God, I trust you. And Cheryl, that Eric wrote that. Yes. That is so meaningful. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was, it was the week before spring break and wow. he was, yes, yeah. he was a guest at the church. And that is what, when he sang that song in church, I, I was just, just tears streaming down my face. So I was like, that is what I needed to hear oh my at that moment. Yeah. So listeners, if you haven't heard that song, go listen to it later. Even when, yeah. Definitely go listen to that. Yes, that spoke to me like nothing else. At that point, that's when I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. I can trust you. I don't like what's going on. I don't mm -hmm. understand what's going on. But I can trust you through that all. And everything is for your glory, which is part of what that song says as well. And then another song was Good God Almighty. So that was just released in January of 2021. And this is March. So it was just come out. And I just had that on repeat of listening to that. Um, because that is talking about that no matter what's happening, I'm going to praise your name. Mm -hmm. So that you're a good God. And then um, Even If by Mercy Me. So that was another one. If you don't take away this circumstance, my hope is in you alone. And then Eye of the Storm by Ryan Stevenson, saying that you're in control. Even though I'm going through the eye of a storm, in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You're the anchor for me. And so I took about 30, 45 minutes just playing these songs over and over and over. And then I started researching the songs because I was like, how did that speak just to me? Like, how is that possible? And I, I found that for the eye of the storm, that the um, Ryan Stevenson who's saying that, that it was written just because he's like, we all go through storms in our life. Everyone's going to face a storm. Everyone's going to have a frayed moment or two mm -hmm. or three yeah. in their life. <laughs> yeah. And it's how you then tackle those moments and go about and what are you grounded in? And if you're not already grounded in faith, I just don't know how people can go through some of the storms that life throws at you. And another one was thy will, of I trust your will for my life, and it will be okay even though I'm confused and I don't know what to pray, I'm going to trust. And that was written um, after Hillary Scott had a miscarriage. And so she wrote that song trying to just process that. And um, even if by Mercy Me, that was written by a dad because his son was struggling with um, a health crisis as well. And that's mm -hmm. why he wrote that song. So I just found it really interesting as I was digging into why are these songs being written? Because they are speaking directly to what I need. Mm -hmm. And then Eric, your son, writing that song. Yes. I don't know why he wrote that song, but that spoke to me. He's been through a heartbreak. Okay. Yeah. And so that was just exactly what I needed at that moment to know I don't like the circumstance. I don't understand the circumstance because we were just praying for answers. We just want answers of what's going on. But I know with my trust in God, my faith, that there's a purpose and we're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. So that's where we were at that moment in time. And then um, Nathan, my first fear happened. Nathan got COVID. 
because there were reports of, oh, COVID's going to affect your heart. So he got COVID and I was like, what else? Like we cannot do more things. And he lost his smell and taste for nine months. No, that's was, the longest I've heard. He was one of those severe cases. Nine months. Nine months it took for him to get it back. And it's still a little, a little altered. He does not like chocolate or peanut butter anymore ever since COVID. I'm like, what a sad life to live. No Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> no Reese's peanut butter cups. No. Oh. No Reese's Christmas trees or pumpkins or no. <laughs> That's what I like. So, yes. So, he dealt with that. The cardiologist was wonderful going through that. And he was he was encouraging us because, obviously, he's seeing a lot of it through his office mm-hmm. of what effects is it having versus what the media is saying. Right. And so, he was able to really speak into us and really keep an eye on it. And he was going through studies as well with his patients of just trying to figure this out because this was still at the time when we were just trying to figure out COVID as well. And so... Um, he got through that. He was diagnosed with post-COVID syndrome, long-haul COVID, because he was still having those effects. And uh, and then his cardiologist was like, we're just going to wait to see what happens with his heart, if anything happens. Because at that time, he had gotten so much better with his heart. He was not having nearly the amount of pain, daily pain, episodes. We called them episodes. He was not having hardly any of that. And then when he got COVID, it triggered it all again. And it was back Mm. to worse of what it was before he had COVID and Uh. before all this started. So that was a big blow to Nathan of trying to just understand. And because he was feeling well, his ferritin had come up. I think the highest he got was 94. So nowhere near where it needed to be, but at least we were starting to see it come up. Right. And then it would dip back down and go, we'd, we'd lose 30 points again in three months. It was like, why? And so that was my prayer. She says, what? We need answers. We need answers. And I was struggling with, do I need to take him to a different doctor? And I um, finally, January of this year, of 2022, I was able to get him in to my doctor, who does not see children. And he already refused to see him. But I, I think I all but bullied him into seeing him. <laughs> <laughs> I would not. Well, he's let it close go. to eighteen, right? Because at that time, I'm right. I was like, "Well, he's seventeen, you know, and a half, sort of." So <laughs> it's really close. Because I did ask him when Nathan was fifteen. When this all started, I asked if he would take him. He was like, "No, I don't see children, not at all." So I was just like, "You've got to see him." Like, no, there are more things going on than. I just think we just outgrew the pediatrician. No fault of her. I just, it was just so much. And this is an internal medicine doctor. So I'm like, I need you. So I had an appointment in January just for a regular checkup. What do I do with my appointment? I bring four pages of notes about Nathan. (laughs) 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 Because I finally got him to agree to see him and his appointment was in two days. So I'm like, I'm going to use my appointment and let's just, talk about Nathan for, you know, a minute or five or 20. And I gave him my typed three to four pages report of everything that's been going on. So <laughs> you are a superstar. I'm <laughs> like a teacher. <laughs> you have a clear understanding of what he's about to inherit. <laughs> and so we went in, the, you know, in two days for his appointment with him. And he ordered more blood work, but he ordered a different type of of test and um, he had ordered a test for autoimmune disease and so I was like well that's odd no one's ever said anything about that before and um, the results came back it was a screening only and so 
that's completely different than some of the tasks. So just a screening of, you know, maybe, maybe this is something. And he came back with the lowest of the low to be positive for an autoimmune disease. And then there was um, another test he did on how the blood cell itself looked that also came back that would be positive for that. And I just, you know, lose it. And he said, but this is a screening only. You don't make a diagnosis off of this. And he is at the lowest of the lowest threshold to say mm -hmm. yes for the screening only. So he kept trying to, you know, calm me down. And so he said, I am not giving him this diagnosis. You can't diagnose by this screening test. There's more tests that need to happen and more clinical signs. <clears throat> and he only saw one clinical sign. And so he said, really, this is just, we're going to put it on the back burner. And it might be years before it actually comes to light, but we're going to have to just kind of keep that in mind. And so I talked to the cardiologist. The cardiologist called me after hours. We talked for 30 minutes about this. And he basically repeated the exact same thing that his internal medicine doctor did. Of, it's a screening only. Mm -hmm. It might be the answer to a lot of what's happening, mm -hmm. but we can't go there yet. We're just going to keep it in mind. Did they tell you which specific autoimmune disease, or just in general it might be something to do with This that? particular one was lupus, but, okay. but with that screening, that could be for an array. But what the doctor was really honing in on, he was thinking mm -hmm. um, lupus. And so I had a conversation with God after that, <laughs> and because all this time I've been praying for answers. Mm -hmm. Well, I did not like the answer. But this I is received. not the answer I was asking for, and that's exactly what I told him. <laughs> I was like, um, "Okay, you remember all those prayers? Of, I just want an answer. I'm sure you knew this because you know everything. But let me be more specific. I don't need an answer that's just hey, take a pill and let's do a quick fix here. Not a lifelong your body's attacking itself diagnosis. So I had to work through that and. Um, come to grips of this might be his future. We don't know yet. I've done some research. So my, a coworker of mine who my office is next door, next door to her, she is a nurse professor. And when she worked in the hospital, she was a cardiac nurse. So I leaned on her all throughout this. Every time he would get a blood value or we'd talk to the cardiologist, I'm like, okay, this is what they said. Tell me what that really means. And so she's, she was my personal, you know, I would go to her about everything. And so she had this book of blood values that she gave me. And she told me, if I give this to you, you cannot <laughs> spiral. <laughs> of course, I'm not going to spiral. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I take it. Oh, I went down a rabbit hole. Oh, no. I copied pages. <laughs> I gave it back to her and I said, um, so as far as spiral, I think I did pretty good. I have a better understanding, but I did copy some pages and I'm doing a little bit more research on that. And I think I have finally accepted. I think this will be his diagnosis. I don't know that. And I'm praying it's not. But of the research I was doing, I was like, hmm, that might answer a lot of these questions mm -hmm. that have been unanswered mm -hmm. for so long, even though that's not the answer I wanted. So we're, mm -hmm. we're at a waiting game. Mm -hmm. for that that's where we are currently that's where okay. we are currently mm -hmm. uh, he's had another heart monitor that he just did actually in August because we had some more problems and he just did that and so they came back again with all these different arrhythmias and there was one new problem that it picked up on 
and then his um, blood values again were down. And, and he, he actually is the one in August of this year that said, I think I need to go in for blood work. So he was in tune enough to now know the way he's feeling, mm-hmm. something's not right. And this right. time I listened. Uh, okay, let's get an appointment. So that's kind of where we are at that moment. There was um, another item that Nathan had talked about, which was at his one-year mark of his what we called failed heart surgery. And so he said it was not until that summer of 2021 he went to a camp called Super Summer. And so that's a leadership camp and um, faith-based Christian And he said at that camp, he learned the importance of prayer and that he had realized that God had given him a lot of blessings. And since then, his walk with God has been the most stable it's ever been. And he's been the happiest that he's ever been. And he he said, I want to celebrate this anniversary date of one year of failed heart surgery because that surgery day was a hard day for me because of the disappointment that surgery did not work. But he has finally come to terms with it. And that celebration gives him time to reflect on what God has done for him. Mm. Wow. So that, yes, that is out of his mouth. Wow. He wrote that down. And he just recently gave his testimony at Fellowship of Christian Athletes for Owasso High School. Mm-hmm. And he, he put it on YouTube. So you can Google his name on YouTube. It's only a 10-minute deal. And it just really just to hear him talk about that and share his testimony of what he's come through and what he's learned about having faith and trusting God, even Mm -hmm. when it's not something we want or that we understand. So Nathan Bates on YouTube, listeners, (laughs) check out his testimony. That's right. And um, another little, I feel like I'm jumping around, but another moment that I, I just, I want to talk about is, January of this year, so 2022, um, he was in a car wreck. Not his fault. He was T-boned. And um, if if it was a company commercial huge van, so a lot of power behind it, pushed him off the road. And if it would have hit just a couple of inches different, a different outcome would have happened. So he walked away with bruised ribs, concussion. His car was totaled. And... After that blow, like literally of that, he he kind of went back into, we started to regress a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I thought I've accepted everything, but sure, something else is happening. And so a friend who they had walked a medical journey as well with their child, she reached out to me and suggested, why don't you take him to a counselor? It's called medical trauma, and they, they will walk you through that and they regretted not doing it for their child until much much later and I had never really heard of medical trauma what and so I asked Nathan about it thinking he'd be like no and so I told him hey so-and-so recommended this and uh, he's like okay call wow and so I'm so glad he was open to that yes so he went through a couple of months of professional counseling just to process everything Mm -hmm. of since this started of ninth grade of all these heart problems, blood value problems, fractured back. Now you're in a car wreck that um, had some lasting effects to that. And so he was able to really healthy in a healthy manner process these past two and a half years of what he's experienced. And, 
and things he'd learned, he'd tell me, and I'm like, oh, that's good. I need to, you know, mm-hmm. think of it that way too. And so that really, I just wanted to bring that out because, you know, mental health, I know is on everyone's mind right now with everything going on, but to not be ashamed of that and to go seek professional counseling if, if that's something that can Absolutely. be a benefit, but yes. that's not something to be shame, shameful about. Was this a counselor specifically trained in medical trauma itself? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. whenever they had told me about her and said that she deals a lot with that. And so he, he had a great experience with that and learned a lot. And then another frayed moment was in May of this year, 2022, he got into another car wreck. Not his fault. Oh, my <laughs> And it was a hit and run. Oh. And there was just a lot that went on with that particular car wreck. And at that time, I asked him, do we need to go back and see the counselor? He said, no, I think I've got it. And he used the tools yeah. that he learned. She'd give him some, yes. Yeah, giving him some coping skills. Yes. Good. And he was able to healthily, in a healthy manner, walk himself through that. And so when I said that this has a lot of, you know, turns and it is like a roller coaster. Yes. It is. It's like buckle up because this is your life right now. <laughs> and so that's kind of the journey that we've walked through. So it, the journey we, I thought I was going to be talking about was, was this heart journey, but everything else just kind of intertwined and mm-hmm. kind of led to where we're at today. And we've learned so much through this entire process of several years the journey that we've been on, we've been stretched in ways that we could not imagine. We've seen God work through us, um, through our friends, for us. That was a lot of it. Because there were times where I just did not even know what to pray. I was just, just mm-hmm. I, I need your help. I, I don't know how to get through this. Right. And they would just come alongside and, and encourage us and love on us. And one thing I learned from that is that there were times where people would reach out. Robin, you did it one time where you just sent me a text you, it was about a year ago, and that meant the world to me at that moment in time. That is exactly what you mm-hmm. said is what I needed to hear. And so I have now since tried to be more intentional. When someone comes to mind, I may not know why, but there's mm-hmm. a reason why God is placing them on my mind. So I will reach out to them and say, is everything going on? Is there something specific I can pray for you about? Because you're on my mind. And I would say nine times out of 10, or really 9.9, there was something going on that I would have never known about it. And not only was it a blessing to be on the receiving end of all of those encouragement calls and texts, but now I'm able to experience the blessing on the giving end. uh, Because I know firsthand what that feels like when someone thinks about you and reaches out to you Mm -hmm. to encourage you through this hard time in your life. So I would encourage that. I mean, that's something definitely that I, I hope to live my life through forever. Of If someone's on my mind, reach out to them and let them know that you're on my mind. And so we, we want our answers. We might have our answers that we don't like, but <laughs> we don't officially have them. And so we're just on this journey, and we know that God's writing his story, and you know he's not done with them yet. And, and Nathan may take this whole journey his plans right now and take that journey into his career and be able to not only treat his patients with compassion, but empathy because he's yeah. gone through so much yes, he medically. Has. Yeah. He'll, he will be a medical personnel that is actually able to look at them and say, I know exactly what you're feeling. Yeah. 
you know, when the surgery doesn't work or when you're scared of this mm-hmm. or when you're by yourself and having to process, he's, he's walked all those roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is he at a place where his tennis, how, how is tennis looking for him? So he has um, retired from tennis. And so he actually, he started running last year. And so he joined cross country and just fell in love with that. And so his junior year, he did cross country in the fall and then tennis in the um, spring. And that was his first time coming back from the fractured back. Mm -hmm. And he had to change his serve because his serve is what uh, fractured his back. So I told him, well, tell your opponents, my serve is so awesome. I broke my back. (laughs) You know, get in their head. Strike fear into them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You got to use that to your advantage. So he had, a change, he had to learn a different serve, and it just, he's still in pain sometimes with his back, and it just was not. Mm-hmm. He had been out for so many months. He lost the love. It was still painful, and so he did not go back to – he will not go back to tennis this year. And so he had planned on trying out track because it's his senior year, and he's like, I just want to have fun and, you know, be active. But because of some more health problems that occurred this semester – which is why in August he was like, get me to the doctor. And they did another heart monitor. Um, He has since retired from sports. And I think Mm -hmm. I had a a rougher time accepting that than he did because he was the one feeling all of this. So he knew what his body was capable of. And as a mom, I just love to watch and encourage and cheer. And I was, I'm not gonna be able to do that anymore. So he, he had his last run with cross country in October and then has, he just said, my body, my body's not made for that anymore. Hmm. So that's where we are with that. So he has now joined the soccer team as a manager because he has his, his best friend, Charlie, who, mm-hmm. you know, had this. And there's several other friends that are there. So he's just having a great time yeah. hanging out with them and getting to just really hang out with them and give them water, I guess. That's <laughs> being a <the> manager. <laughs> the funny story with that is that he said, yeah, I was giving out water and some of the other managers who are females, who was like, well, that's so nice of you. And he said, well, that's our job. <laughs> that's actually what we're here for. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So I thought it was quite funny. Oh. But yeah, so that's where we are. So he has since retired from organized sports and he'll, he works out and you know, he loves rock climbing. He's found that interest, but he just cannot physically keep up with the mm-hmm. demand of high school athletics. Sure. And I know that you are one of the moms that, and there, there are many listening. I know listeners, you may be thinking, yep, that's me, that you would do anything if you could just if you could let your son play the sports and you'd be like, I'll take the thing. You give exactly. me the heart issue and you give me the, and, and you go do the sports. And, you know, listeners, if you're if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. And. Um, oh, my goodness, it's um, not what we wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's not what you wanted, but in the midst of it, I'm really happy to hear that Nathan is choosing to say, well, you know what? I'm going to go be a soccer manager. I'm going to go be with my friends. I'm going to serve my friends. I'm going to do this and find an outlet that is going to work. And, I mean, wow, Nathan Bates, he's awesome. He's a rock star. He's a rock yeah. star. Yeah. And you know what, Cheryl? You're a rock star mama. Mm-hmm. I think that you have lived out a great, wise example of just loving your child and passionately being your child's advocate. And coming prepared with four 
you know, single space documents <laughs> to your doctor's office to help them out. Yeah, I, I do just, what I can to help the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this research for you. Here you go. Oh, but, but God is using you still. He's using you still. And I'm using Nathan still. And this story's not over. It's so you know what? Over. It's to be continued, yes. dear friends. It's yeah. to be this continued. This is not one that's wrapped up in a bow and we no. move on to the... But, yeah, it's to be continued in it. We have no idea what God's going to do next. Mm-hmm. No, but we, we firmly believe that he has great plans mm-hmm. for all that Nathan has endured, that he will get the glory and he will be able to help someone in some way through this journey. And God is the God of hope. He's going to keep renewing that hope. You know, Romans 15, 13 says, The God of hope will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. And so as we're trusting in Him, He makes us overflow with hope. That's not in ourselves. That's Him. That's Him. And there's another verse, um, speaking of Bible verses, that really, I have it on a post-it note in my mirror in my in my bedroom, and that was from years ago, and I would just, you know, see it every day, and that is something that helped me get through this process of not have anger through this process, and the verse is Psalm eighty six fifteen, and it says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, and I just had to keep repeating that. He's not trying to hurt us. I can't have anger. I had a lot of disbelief and a lot of, Mm -hmm. I wish I could take this from you and I wish I could fix it because that's what moms want to do for their children. And I can't, so that is not making me happy. But there's a reason, there's a purpose. I don't understand it. But I cannot be mad at God for this. I need to trust him. And have faith, because I know he's gracious and compassionate, and I need to show that love. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you, Cheryl. We love you. Thank you. I love you guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're so glad that you were listening to Afraid Not Today with Cheryl Bates as our guest. We're so thankful that Cheryl was vulnerable with us, sharing with us what a really hard, there have been some hard days that the Lord's walked her family through, and she just shared beautifully about it all. Sometimes our afraid knots get wrapped up pretty quickly, and we move on to the next afraid knot. This one is a continuation that we will have to wait and see what happens, but we do know that Nathan is going to use this event in his life for God's glory. And whatever he does with it, he's going to maybe be the best medical personnel out there or whatever it is he decides to do, it's going to be for God's glory. Yeah. Something that Cheryl said today, I just had to love it. Nathan has more heart now to love his mom (laughs) because, you know, that's really taking a hard situation and finding a silver lining in it because... He does have tissue that the doctor found, and that is a special way to say, you know what, not only am I just going to accept that truth, I'm going to make it something even more special. He's even more special. He has more heart to love his mama. (laughs) And uh, something that also was really special was hearing that the song, Even When, meant a great deal to Cheryl at a moment that her heart was needing comfort. And the song was written by my son, Eric Wall, and I was so... 
really touched to hear in that moment because it's meant a lot to me too. So we're going to put the song Even When at the end of this episode. So after you hear the outro end, stay on if you would like to hear the song Even When and listen to those words and hopefully it'll be comforting to you too. It's hard to be a mama and watch your kids go through stuff. So this was this was something that if you're a parent or you have a niece or nephew or somebody that you love dearly and they are going through something traumatic, it's just hard to sit back and watch it. But we appreciate Cheryl for sharing her story. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, share with a friend, and we'll see you back in two weeks. See you later. And by the way, happy Christmasing, everybody. Enjoy your December. Bye. Who am I to come before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and question what you say is right? Though it conflicts with what's good in my eyes Cause I've only begun to realize Who you are So even when my eyes can't see it And even when my heart can't feel it my mouth will still repeat it God, I trust you Everything, everything.
is to your glory is to your glory oh everything everything is to your glory is to your glory in all my Jesus, and we trust you.